She looks real pretty like a tough one should On a red line tire She sits real mean She's the coolest hot one Hey everybody and welcome to a new edition of Talking About Cars. I'm Randy Cardoon and everybody has a car story. In this edition, we get a great story from the NHRA, from the Trailblazer, the subject of the 1983 movie Heart Like a Wheel, Shirley Muldowney. Long before the four sisters were born, the first lady of drag racing became the first woman to get an NHRA drag racing license. The year was 1965. She ran Funny Car, won three NHRA championships in the 70s and 80s, and in 1990 was inducted into the Motorsports Hall of Fame and the International Drag Racing Hall of Fame in 2006. I recently watched the Heart Like a Wheel movie again, which you may remember begins with a 40s Cadillac racing over a long road, you know, going up and down the road, and the driver was actor Hoyt Axton playing Muldowney's dad, taking a child actress portraying a four-year-old Muldowney into his lap and letting her take the wheel as the car was going at high speed. Uh, Shirley, did that really happen? And was that just like your dad's car? Not the same car, but identical version of that car. Uh, the car would have been a 40s version. Certainly not a brand new one. <laughs> no, my father never had a new car. But I was would have been that. I would have been that would have been uh, 1942, maybe 43. So the car was a, a 40, maybe. And that was before seatbelts. Oh, of course. So, so he would actually just explain how that would work. You would get in the car at that young age, and he would just kind of take you for a ride. We came from Vermont and lived in Schenectady, New York. And uh, my father would come up, and uh, I would spend uh, some time with my my aunt up in Salisbury, Vermont. Or, or up on the Champlain Islands, and my father would come up, take me up there, or and or come and get me when the summer, uh, when my so-called vacation was. He was he was a wild man in his own right. So I had my share of rides, if you will, with my son, with my dad. <laughs> he was uh, not to say he never got a traffic ticket, but uh, uh, he he was. Uh, um, he broke the rules. Let me put it that way. <laughs> give, give me your best dad broke the rules story while you were in the car. That was probably it. You witnessed it. <laughs> on, you know, <laughs> on camera. Yeah. They reenacted that pretty, pretty, pretty well. You didn't have a car in high school, did you? No, God, no. Uh, my mother didn't even have a car. My father, he rode around and I wouldn't call that luxury, but he rode around. He was a different dad. He didn't pay attention most of the time to uh, the family, but uh, Tex was his nickname. Tex would ride around in the big cars, but uh, when we needed to go to the uh, the grocery store markets, we carried the groceries home. First car you remember driving? First thing I ever drove was a John Deere tractor up on the farm in South Hero, Vermont. I was 11, maybe. I had an uncle. Everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people have an Uncle Harold. <laughs> and he, I had an uncle Harold, and he was, he was very good to me. He taught me how to, uh, to man eighty pound bales of hay. As I got older, I learned how to go get uh, forty head of milk cattle. I knew how to uh, help drive the, uh, the truck with the uh, cans of milk to the creamery. I spent a lot of time on that, 
that farm up up there in the early years. And, you know, they were some of the best years of my life. And, and you know, kind of, I'm going to kind of skip over something right now just to make a point. Those years were and still are very dear to me. And that was one of the reasons my love for farm animals was one of the reasons I was so attracted to Matt Hagen right when he came on the scene here a few years ago. And not that girl. I don't know any girl that's not attracted to Matt Hagen. He's, <laughs> he's, he's the ultimate dreamboat. The and, ultimate. And it I involves farm animals. Well, he's a farmer and a rancher. And that's what, uh, and when I got wind that he was a rancher, and oh, I would go go talk to Matt, and we would... We talk about ag, <laughs> you know. He went. He went to college and he took ag, and uh, and he has uh, let's see, three hundred head of beef cattle, and eight hundred acres in Virginia, and he. We do not discuss what happens once the livestock leaves his care. We don't talk about that. No, no, we don't. Okay, we. You're not a vegetarian or anything. No, I just love animals and i get attached and you know i I said now i'm going to come to the farm Uh, can i pet the cow i love cows i have a thing for cows where did where did that come from easy it came from south hero vermont when i was a little girl i never lost it my my uncle taught me uh about animals and I, i just learned a lot on that farm that i took with me the rest of my life, I learned cooking. I learned how to how to grow. They were very valuable years to me. By the way, I just want to say, and I'm not sucking up, but I did I did have an Uncle Harold. Lucky you. I'm just saying, although he didn't teach me how to drive, and he yeah, yeah, my Uncle Harold was was great guy. Was a great guy. That's where that all came from. And then I, as a teenager, I um, didn't pay much attention in school. I didn't like it. I wasn't very good at it. I never took homework home, not even one time in my life during my school years. So that'll give you a good example how qualified I was when graduation day came. And um, I just hung out at the uh, local car hop restaurant got a job in the kitchen um uh i then i graduated on up to uh the waitress staff and that's how i met jack Muldowney. he'd come in with that 51 mercury that you saw in the movie and uh, i just fell in love with that car that in the movie looks pretty close to uh some of the pictures i've seen biography wise of the actual car uh identical it's identical. Surely, oh, God, sure. do I wish I had that car? <laughs> Surely, can I? I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but are are you listening to something in the background? Is there a radio on or a television or oh, something? You're going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, let me let me hit the button. I'm I, sorry. I, I no no no. I, I apologize. I didn't even it just didn't dawn on me. That's I okay. Have, uh, I have lived with. Fox News on 24-7 for the last seven years. That'll tell you <laughs> what side I lean to. I see. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, promise a good, not... A good wind would blow me over to the right. <laughs> I would fall on my face. To the, so. I promise not to ask any uh, political questions during That's this. Okay. I know what's going on in the world. I wish, I wish everybody did. They need to pay attention. What the heck's going on? 
You were talking about Jack Baldowney and how you had met him in that 51 Mercury. Was that the yes. first car you ever drove? Yes, sir. That was it. That was it. And at first, I didn't actually, I did, but I didn't drive it. He would work the pedals, stick shift, three-speed three column shift. He would work the pedals. I would steer and shift. He'd make sure his window was down when there was a potential street race alongside of us at the red light. And he'd hang both hands, arms out the window, lean towards them, be talking away. The light would turn green, and away we would go. So you sat on his lap? No, I sat next to him when oh. it was when it, it, RPM when it peaked out, and I, I would shift it up into second gear. He'd work the clutch and the, and the as we say, the throttle, the gas pedal, and I would steer and shift it. We well, we just did this to to mess with him. That's all. Now in the movie, they oh. didn't show that. Oh, they didn't. Okay, no, well. they didn't show that stunt. <laughs> but uh, uh, it showed, you know, as I graduated up, and Jack let me drive the the car, um, and and you know, it was his car. But uh, we would go out street racing as a form of recreation. We, we were just kids. I was, I was fourteen, fourteen years old. He was, uh, let's say, uh, seven, eighteen. He, he was eighteen. So I take it that was when you first had your first dose of uh, car-related adrenaline. Yes. And so the movie was pretty accurate, though, when it says that uh, it was his idea that you give it a shot or your idea that you drive alone yeah, in a race? I don't really remember. It uh, could have been Jack. Uh, probably was Jack. Uh, he was a very unselfish guy. He enjoyed tuning the car that beat the boys uh, and got a big kick out of uh um, me behind the wheel. He he thought that was great. That's wild. So you then moved on eventually and started uh, racing some of the doing well, some races on it, your own. How it, we married. Uh, I married young in 1956. We went to. In, my son was born. My son John was born in 1958, February. In the middle of the year, uh, outside of Schenectady, there's a dirt half mile, very historic. Very well known. It's been there forever, and they still run them on Saturday night. There's a dirt half-mile oval where they run roundy-round cars at Fonda, New York. Very well known in the area. They used to bring in some of the big heavy hitters back in the day. Rich Petty and Tiny Lund, and I, I, can, I can name several drivers. Pearson, and of course we would go and you know spectate, but on Wednesday nights, they would have an eight-mile drag strip, which was the pit road that went down through the center of the dirt half-mile oval, and it was paved. And they had a street light hanging, and you'd have to go up a grade off the oval, and then it would level out, and then you would sit level just underneath this street light. And when that thing went from red to green, you were off. And we would go down that eighth mile to... 90 miles an hour and we would we would go through the traps and we would hit that that oval all four wheels come off the ground that's how we would pass over the oval we would we would be completely airborne i mean we did nutty stuff back then now there was no guardrail there was no i don't even know if there was an ambulance there but they used to pack this place to the hilt 
and we'd go down around and make the loop and go down around the back of a place where they called the Cow Palace because it was actually a fairgrounds. And that's how it all began. And I ran in Fonda from 1958 to 1965, I had like uh, 75 trophies that I actually reluctantly sold back to the track promoter for enough money to buy a 456 rear end for the car, which was a lower gear. We definitely needed that to be more competitive than we were. You've had so many cars, really, that some obviously a lot of them you've raced, but is there a car that you no longer have that you wish sometime you could get back? Yeah, that's a good question, and yeah, it's come up here lately, and I just found out this week because someone sent me a picture of it. I had, in ni- from 1968 till 1970, I had a Don Long, he, he's from Gardena, California, uh, master, master builder. I had a dual engine, gas-powered, gasoline-powered, Double-A gas dragster, two small-block Chevys, supercharged, uh, hillborn injection, and um, car run, you know, 198 miles an hour. But uh, it was a gorgeous car, and we stupidly sold it so we could upgrade to a funny car, buy that used piece of junk I bought from Coletta in 1971. <laughs> uh, but we did let that car go, and I've spent years trying to find it. Well, we found it last week. The guy that bought it um, stupidly cut it up and tried to make a rear-engine dragster out of it, and he ruined it. Oh, you're kidding. So it yeah. was... It was in its regular shape, its original it shape for that. years. He took the superchargers off, but I have a picture of the thing leaving the starting line at some racetrack, and it um, the wheels were in the air. It was, it was in fact, the, the original car. Oh, wow. Which doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. That's not something you could have somebody redo? Oh, well, I could mock it. I could have Don Long build me one, but for what? Uh, they're outlawed. It's not anything that NHRA would, uh, you know, that you could compete in. True. They'd stick me in a competition-type class. They've uh, Shortly thereafter, they they um, nixed that class no longer. Not the class. Yeah, double-A gas dragster. They did, top, top gas. Uh, they eliminated the class, and they outlawed dual-engine cars. There were there were uh, the uh, the odd couple was one that was famous. It had a Chevy and a Chrysler coupled together in the same car. <laughs> you never see that the, anymore. Oh yeah. Then there was the famed freight train car that was awesome. Two two Chryslers. I think they were Chryslers. Um, Supercharged. Uh, they were wonderful cars. Fun, novel, and competitive. But NHRA and all their wisdom, they they keep trying to, you know, change the sport for the better. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with a lot of things they do. Some of the things they do I don't agree with. Shirley, what what do you have in your garage right now? What kind of car do you have? Huh. Well, I have a car that GM gave me when I retired in 2003. It was a brand-new brand 2004 Trailblazer. They felt that the name of the car uh, fit me quite well, and I've put 108,000 miles on it. But uh, tomorrow, my new car uh, is going to be delivered, and uh, it's coming from Houston, and it's a gift from Stan Holt, 
who owns the Loopy Tortilla Restaurants in Houston, Texas. I was there last week, and I thought I knew what good Mexican food was until I ate at the 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 home restaurant that's been there 32 years. It was just unbelievable, unbelievable. And I'm going to uh, be working with Stan's and one of his charities. Very nice. Uh, a, a children's cancer. We're putting it together, but the car was a gift. What kind of car? It's a brand new Chrysler 300 loaded. Those are nice. <laughs> I haven't woken up yet. I, I still know this is a dream. You have lived kind of a an interesting dream all the way across. Talk about being a trailblazer and some of the things you've accomplished against really incredible odds. It was the timing. And the thing that I've, you know, regretted the most, and there I don't have too many regrets, I think... Uh, I made a wonderful choice. The sport found me, actually. I started with it, uh, you know, basically almost in its infancy and grew with the sport. But it, um, it's, it's been incredibly good to me. I just was ahead of my time. That's my one regret. Now we've got, you know, we've got the girls out there. We've got the Force Daughters and, and all of that. And um, they're very nice girls, and uh, they seem to be able to take orders, and they have, uh, they have the basics down pat. I, uh, they've made some good runs and have racked up some wins, uh, but keep in mind, they're in some of the best equipment that you could possibly have, so that tends to make your job easier. They, they didn't have to drive the iron that I drove and, or, or deal with the conditions that I dealt with in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even the 90s. The sport has really evolved. Uh, NHRA's done a marvelous job uh, making it as safe as they possibly can. And they, um, after me, the doors swung wide open for the women because they're businessmen. They looked at this and went, wait a minute, this is going to sell seats. And that's exactly what it did. And does. What would it have been like for Shirley Muldowney if she had tried to get into racing, drag racing nowadays? If I had the uh, the pockets, you know, the, the, the unbelievable deep pockets that would skim the, the, the ground, uh, I would be some, believe me, I, I carry a big stick, so, uh, <laughs> and I know how to drive, I know how to race, and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm fairly good at it. So I think I would just add to the excitement, and I know I could sell a lot of seats for NHRA. I have a wonderful fan following, just wonderful. You know, we were talking about all the movie the movie that came out some years ago and, and, and some of the experiences that you say are pretty accurate. For the most part, it was pretty accurate, except for the part where Connie Kalita doesn't necessarily look like Bo Bridges. Let me tell you, that guy <laughs> he goes around Ypsilanti, Michigan telling perfect strangers that they made a movie about him <laughs> I, I, use, I mean I, 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 I kid you not he has the immediate gall to do that Connie Coletta said it was all about him oh well he, he, he well you know when I met Connie he didn't have two nickels to rub together but he had a, he had a twin engine Cessna airplane and when NHRA threw him out for misbehaving, 
uh, he had somewhat of a, you know, a little bit of a, he was a, kind of a little bit of a loose cannon back in the 70s. He went ahead and started flying, and he got into the Ford Traffic Division uh, for Ford Motor Company in Detroit, and he would fly freight in his little twin-engine Cessna. So then he steps up and he buys a twin, a, a twin beach with no autopilot, but a twin beach that would carry more faster, uh, a good deal faster, and would carry more freight, more weight. And I used to go with him. And this guy would, he would fly until he could not keep his eyes open for another minute. I mean, he was a, he was a hard worker. I give him that much credit. So he'd go back and lay on a, a mattress on top of 5,000 mufflers going to Louisville from wherever, Buffalo or wherever we would begin the, the, the flight. And I would get in the left seat and fly the airplane. Did you know how to fly? No, of course not. <laughs> of course I, I, not. Well, I was. I Silly had, me. Uh, I had a pretty good touch for it, and I could keep it within a hundred feet elevation. And he taught me how to read the maps, so I knew the roads. How to? Okay, it's time. Take a left. You know, you know, turn it to the left. <laughs> and I flew one time from Kansas City to White Sands Proving Grounds in Arizona. Oh my! Yeah. And of course, I knew I knew you know I'd watch the skies for airplanes that would seem to be somewhat closer than they should be. But if I wanted to get his attention, I would rock the pedals and flash the lights in the ship, and it would wake him up, and he'd come up front. So one time he came up and he got in the right seat, and he said, "Okay, I'm I want to do something. Okay, I'm going to shut an engine down. I want to see if you can hold it. This way, if if we lost an engine." It'd give him time to get up to the controls if he was in the back of the ship. And I, okay, so he shut one down. Tell you, my heart dropped about to my knees, but, and I, I hung right onto it. And I held it, and he, and he held it for, you know, a couple of minutes. And then he reached down, he turned that fuel knob, and that starved engine came to life. And boy, that propeller started going, and there we were. On, uh, on two engines. Ah, what a great feeling that was. But I'll tell you, I was incredibly, uh, I was not, I was proud of myself because I handled it, but I was more proud that Connie trusted me that much. Which was the bigger thrill ride? Flying the plane with Connie or doing uh, a straightaway in, in uh, NHRA? Well, you know, the race car was my, the race car was my thing. I mean, that, that was my life. I mean, that's what I did. That's what I was uh, uh, you know, incredibly good at. I'm not going to say I was a good pilot, not by any means. I never took off or landed. But I kept him uh, in the air so he could get uh, two or three hours sleep. And I did that for a number of years. A lot of people don't know that. I flew with Connie, and he went from a twin-engine twin Cessna. Today he has 30 747s. So that'll give you some idea what a hard worker this guy is, how sharp he is, and what a trick businessman he is. He has 3747s in his fleet. Oh, my. And he probably has 100 pilots that work for him. He flies all the freight for the U.S. government. He flies our, our, our dead soldiers back from Afghanistan. He flies all the mail to Iraq and Afghanistan. He is huge. And he started with a 
little twin engine Cessna airplane. Incredible. Well, it's a it's a it's a, a success story beyond words. But he is uh, yeah. I will get back to Bo Bridges. Bo Bridges. The only thing I didn't like about the movie was eh, a couple things. I wanted uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, and I got Bonnie Bedelia. But uh, uh, Bo Bridges played a masterful Connie Coletta, one that really, really doesn't exist. Some of some of it, but I thought Bonnie Bedelia played a terrible Shirley. That was my opinion. Hmm. A lot of people loved her. They loved her. She got a golden globe. She got all, but she was not my choice. She was mushy. She was clingy. She was everybody, you know, it it just, she threw her arms around everybody in the movie. And that, she was soft. And that's, if I had been like that, I would have never made it. I would have never made the grade. What about the guy that played Garlitz? Did he play him any better? Uh, yeah, he was okay. He was okay. When they when the production went to meet Garlitz at Bakersfield that before production, they walked into his trail and he was standing there eating a banana. So that's where the banana <laughs> came in. <laughs> when they, when he uh, you know, he um, showed showed his uh, character in the movie. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Uh, you know, we had a lot of fun with that movie. It's still very popular today. It's considered an art film in Hollywood. They still play it on cable 30, 33 years after it was its release. Yeah, the, uh, Heart Like a Wheel did wonderful things for me. Yeah, and it told a great story. Didn't, didn't make me rich, but they Hollywood paid me everything they said they would pay me. But then we didn't know what a dvd was that's true if you knew then what you know now oh my god so but the real story happened after the end of that movie that was the real story so uh you never know they come back for seconds you just never know but if they ever did i would be on that set i'd be all over that set Uh, yeah, I, I was chasing a world championship in 1982, so I didn't spend the time that I should have spent with production. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the perks were wonderful, and they would fly me first class and put me up in these you know, five-star hotels, and I would go up to this, this suite, enough for you know, ten people, and there I'd sit all by myself, you know, sleep one night, two nights, and I'd be out of there, back to the racetrack. So it has it had its ups and downs, but the whole experience was a good one, a very good one. Shirley Muldowney, let me let me ask you: When I mention the word Winter Nationals, what's the what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I won it twice, almost won it three times, except I had a, a fuel line that uh, should have been a curved fuel line on a brand new car, but it was a straight line. You know the the. Al, the late Al Swindle, he just, he just made a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. In the straight line, I kept feeling all, that whole weekend, even during qualifying, that that thing after the burnout felt like it wanted to lose prime. I kept telling them. I'm telling you guys, that thing is because when you shut a nitro car off, it, it, it starves it on fuel, and the, the, the engine will quickly go up in RPM just automatically. You can always tell. Well, it was doing that, and uh, in the final, the left lane, it, it lost prime, and I couldn't, I couldn't save it, 
and it lost it lost fire. And uh, Dick LaHaye singled. He's lumbered on, down, down through there uh, <laughs> with a, a stellar uh, time, two, two tenths off the, you know, the, what everybody was running. Mm-hmm. But I would have won Pomona, to, to answer your question, I would have won Pomona uh, three times. But it's a favorite race of mine. I love that racetrack. Above the women drivers that are going on now, who's your favorite? Well, my, I have a favorite, but the best out there. Bar none is Erica Enders. She's, you know, I'm I'm really uh, struggling for a, a word that would describe what she is. Um, she has, you know, she's got the style. She's got the, but her ability in the car, and her knowledge of what's going on, and her knowledge of what is about to happen with the car. Uh, she knows her equipment better than any of the girls out there, and she has obviously proved that. Uh, her career has only just begun. I'm curious as we wrap it up here, and I appreciate the time, Shirley. You've been great. I, I, I'm curious when you look back, are, are you pretty satisfied? I mean, you went through some hard times. You went through some good times. Are you pretty satisfied with the way your career turned out? I'm thrilled beyond words. I am very proud of drag racing. I think a NASCAR race is, is it, well, I wouldn't have to take sleep meds if I was that, because that, they put me to sleep. Uh, it's not a spectator sport by, in comparison, I'm comparing it now, mm-hmm. but our fans are so loyal and so dedicated and so knowledgeable. Um, the sport is, God, how did that find me? I was a street kid with no direction and not really any future and drag racing found me in Schenectady, New York in 1953 how lucky I was how incredibly lucky I was NHRA legend Shirley Muldowney hey if you like what we're doing and you're listening on iTunes please help us out take a moment to rate us and write a review and most important subscribe to Talking About Cars if you're listening on SoundCloud like us and follow us spread the word and let your car friends know all about the great guests and the cool stories we have on all of our Talking About Cars podcasts until next week I'm Randy Cardoon join me next time as we have some fun talking about cars (laughs) 